You're listening to All Things Video, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by Shareability, a social content company that makes videos people actually want to watch. They work with brands and influencers to create content that explodes across the web through social sharing and organic discovery. For years, Shareability has been topping the charts with crowd-captivating videos for brands like Pepsi, Pizza Hut, Sony Entertainment, and Cristiano Ronaldo's Rock, delivering over a billion views, 5 million shares, and 50,000 press mentions. Check out some examples of their work on shareability.com. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Sarah North, head of television and OTT for Soul Pancake. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited that we get to do this. And I thought we'd start off by talking about how you found your way into the media business. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't one of those kids who at eight years old was like, I was watching every movie and reading every book. Uh, I was going to college, so I went to NYU, and I fell into what became my passion. Um, I started as an intern at SNL, and I just really watched how they were able to express such truth through comedy. And then I followed that up with an internship at New York One with Pat Kiernan, the New York One in New York City, uh, and really found how he was getting storytelling across via just facts and it just all came together oh my gosh you can affect a lot of people if you get truth and entertainment out to the world so how can we all make the world a better place content seemed like a great place for that to happen so you're in the midst of your studies you have these incredible internship experiences and is that what then inspired you to say hey I want to have a career in this post-graduation Yes. I, after graduation, became a financial news anchor with absolutely no background in that space for a streaming media company before streaming media existed. So that was crazy and interesting, and I learned a lot, and I quickly discovered I am a behind-the-scenes lady. And that's really what started my trajectory. My roommate from college said, hey... Madeline Smithberg, the co-creator of The Daily Show, is looking for an assistant. But it's in LA. Do you know anyone? And I said, I was in New York at the time. And I said, me. And she said, you're crazy. Uh, you know, you've passed this point in your career. And I said, no, I, I want to do it. I'm going to be the best assistant this woman has ever had. So cut to packing my bags. And I headed out to LA. And uh, Madeline was show running a show on the CW at that time called Steve Harvey's Big Time Challenge. And I was her assistant for a year. The network essentially went away and we went into business together and she mentored me and taught me everything, everything I know. And what sort of projects did you work on? You name it. We did it. We uh, worked with Stephen A. Smith when he was doing a pilot for Showtime. We worked with the guys at Adult Swim, um, Lisa Lampanelli, uh, Jenny McCarthy. You never knew who was going to walk into our world. Cindy Lauper, the brilliant Cindy Lauper. We show ran a docu-series with her. Um, we worked at BET creating a show with TJ Holmes that really was a wonderful late night show to create a platform for BET to have conversations that weren't being had by and for African Americans in the media at that time. And after a number of years in traditional media, right, you find yourself moving to Soul Pancake uh, in 2013. So for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit more about Soul Pancake and how it grew from its roots as kind of this, well, originally a book and then an online digital media phenomenon to embracing traditional and linear 
Yes, well, Rain Wilson is one of the founders of Soul Pancake, and he was playing the character of Dwight on The Office. And obviously, at the height of The Office, uh, Rain, being the person he is, was looking at the landscape of content and said, oh my gosh, I want to use this success to help make the world a better place in some way, shape, or form. So the founders got together, and they did a New York Times bestselling book, and they quickly pivoted to video and found their their foothold. Um, and it was really, how do you bring people together to have conversations about what it means to be human? Why are we all here? Inspiring and uplifting, but also entertaining. And if you think back to 2013, the industry was a little more cynical. So people didn't think necessarily that was going to work. They started in digital and the audiences really rallied around the content and they they gained a huge, uh, huge, huge audience online now to the tune of 10 million fans and brands and networks started to come to them to say, hey, audiences are engaging with you guys. You're building community. People are really responding to the content in a very interesting way in which we're not seeing in our worlds. How do we engage with you? And so at that time, Soul Pancake split into three departments. The first is the digital team, which programs out, you know, like a mini network. They deficit finance their content. They do what they want, when they want, and they make amazing stuff. We have our branded team, which does white label production and will work with brands, interfacing with them, making something that really is tailor-made to what they want to accomplish in their core principles, and or we'll make something for them and put it on the Soul Pancake platform so they also can engage with our audience. So with really wonderful built-in distribution when we, when we need it. And I run the TV and OTT division. So the same thing, networks were just really starting to understand and look at Soul Pancake as a different way to do content. So I was really grateful to come and help them break ground on strategy and really uh, emerging into that space. Amazing. Well, I want to hear a little bit more about some of those projects that you're working on. But before we get to that, as you've mentioned, a lot of the content out there is negative. You think about news media, right? And then there's a lot of entertainment, which tends to be escapist, right? Or a distraction from the problems of, of day-to-day life. What is the market opportunity around content for good? Real life has stakes. So I don't know why we insist on manufacturing them. Every day we all experience so many highs and lows, and those can manifest inside content. It's always entertaining just because it is authentic and reflecting the real human experience with the goal of bringing everyone together so that we can better understand each other, that by no means means it doesn't have stakes. So I think that's what people are scared of. When executives sit in a chair, the E word comes up, which is a really horrible word, which is earnest. And once again, I also think it depends on who's executing it. For instance, the digital team, before my time, they championed a show called My Last Days. So Justin Baldoni came to Soul Pancake and said, I've got a great idea. And Soul Pancake said, that is a great idea. That's uh, so human. And these stories are not talked about or told. And it was stories about life told by millennials who are terminal. So uh, Soul Pancake and Justin came together and they created that first season of My Last Days. That's about when I started at Soul Pancake and I said, oh my gosh, this is an amazing show. We have to go talk to people about it. And executives were just like, um, wait, this is a show about death? This, no. Oh, oh. This is, and they'd be, they'd be crying through their tears from what they just witnessed. And they'd be like, this is so beautiful. There's no place for this on my network. So uh, the team aired it on Soul Pancake's social platforms. The show took off, became a runaway hit, had a really passionate audience that really uh, was engaging and cared about the content. One of the episodes, Zach Sobiak, 
a really powerful, wonderful gentleman who is also a musician. His uh, song from My Last Days really skyrocketed to the top of the music charts. For that particular episode, Justin's team and Soul Pancake came together and ended up raising $750,000 per osteosarcoma research in conjunction with Zach's family, which was the specific cancer he was dealing with. So just a really powerful series that then ultimately when Justin became a star on Jane the Virgin, found a home on the CW, and probably seemed much less risky at that time, but finding its footing in its digital home was really a wonderful blessing as it allowed the show to be its uh, most authentic version, which is, you know, I think what made it ultimately successful and also scary to, at that time, linear executives in the chair. So do you think that the success of a program like My Last Days has demonstrated a case study for this type of success? Not just that you can take digital first IP and use that as a springboard to launch it, you know, in other formats, but also that this type of content for good, which may have seemed unusual or risky for a lot of these traditional network executives, actually has a place that audiences are looking and craving this type of content? They are. Um, We've proven it over and over again. Even if you look at what's happening with My Last Days on the CW right now, we're airing the previous seasons on our Soul Pancake social channels, which then is driving an audience to the linear show. So it's really a cycle that continues to strengthen itself, but we've done it over and over again. Um, If you look at our Kid President brand, that's a show we worked on with a wonderful man named Brad Montague and his brother-in-law, Robbie Novak, who is Kid President. So that was a brilliant digital property that was a runaway hit, but we had to lay the groundwork. It wasn't like the first video that the team produced and released was a huge hit. So I want to say about 18 videos in, that's when the classic Kid President pep talk hit. Um, And the brand just continued to gain momentum and steam from there. And at that time, the whole mission of Kid President was give the world a reason to dance. And every kid has a voice, everyone wants to be awesome. So that sounds like a kid thing, right? But what we found in our numbers and via the data is that it was a co-view thing. Grown-ups needed this messaging as much as the kids did, and as many grown-ups were watching Kid President as were kids. And so it found a really beautiful, uplifting space that just resonated with people. They were tired of hearing the bad stuff. Ultimately, that property was sold to Hub, which was a network we went straight to series with multiple offers, given the strength of the existing brand. Um, And they really let us have a beautiful playground. So going to the strength of this model, on the first season of a kid's show, we had former First Lady Michelle Obama agree to participate, Kevin Costner, Jamie Foxx showed up, Christina Applegate, Jeremy Lin. The list went on and on because of the heartbeat of the brand and the goodness of the brand and the intent of the brand and the authenticity of the voice behind it. Also, there's a fun business thing where the deals are better once you've proven the IP. And also, it's important to make sure you're doing a natural progression. What was happening online is not what you saw in the linear version of the show. It was a fully fleshed out 22-minute linear show formatted the way any other linear show would be, but it was inspired by and kept that heartbeat that was in the digital brand. And now we're entering May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I know you're undertaking some big projects to raise awareness uh, about mental health. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we have a documentary in the works that the team is diligently putting together right now. It's got some wonderful names uh, and targets a specific community that just in a lot of our conversations we were seeing, oh my gosh, people aren't talking about mental health awareness in this space. And it would be so powerful if that happened. 
So the team came together and we're engaging a month-long initiative that is centered around the this particular documentary and that has also in real life components, IRL components, so that we're uh, engaging people in panels on all of our social channels. So it's really an initiative that's larger than the sum of its parts. We then will reach out to um, you know different linear buyers to see how we can window this and really expand the audience and the messaging either via other windows and or potentially a festival play. Your role is really taking this content that in many cases may be developed digital first. In other cases, you know, you're sourcing or developing IP from different parts of the business, but make sure that you are finding the right partnerships for traditional television distribution, thinking about OTT distribution opportunities. What are the primary places online that you look to distribute your content today? Wow. Everything's on the table. We're just as excited to go pitch to the traditional partners that everyone talks about all the time, whether it's linear cable buyers, Netflix. You know, we're always excited to talk to Amazon, Nickelodeon, you know, given all of our kid-friendly content. Um, So we've got those traditional awesome names. We're also, we've got a spotlight page on Amazon Prime where we can put all of our series. We have our Soul Pancake social channels. You know, we're always engaging in conversations with the new players like, hey, how would we put all of this content together and make a Soul Pancake channel? Because we have enough in our library of content where we can sustain when new platforms are merging and they need a brand to attach to that's recognizable and has a lot of love we're very brand friendly not because we um not because we pander to brands because we authentically are shooting from a good place even when we have difficult very real life conversations whether it's interactive we're very much looking at interactive whether it's new emerging premium short form players of one that's been getting a lot of press all of these conversations are very easy for us to have given the the tools we have in our toolbox, and also we're as much digital and can create digital native content as we create premium long and or short form content, but just uh, leaning into those emerging platforms, so not necessarily trends. We're not huge on leaning into trends, but always making sure you're innovating while uh, creating things in an excellent way and making sure you're creating the content in a way that's for the audience who's going to ultimately ingest it on the other end. Because with all these emerging platforms, you who's watching this and how are they watching with it? And the OTT landscape is changing so much right now, right? Have we seen increased competition on the SVOD side? You've got, of course, Netflix and Amazon, but also Disney Plus launching in November. You've got uh, Disney Now with a majority stake in Hulu. And then you've got new entrants, uh, you know, Sony and, and NBC are thinking about what they're going to do from an SVOD standpoint. But you also have the AVOD side, right? You've got platforms like YouTube, but then you have Pluto TV acquired by Viacom, How do you think about those different kind of business models and platform partners as a chance to distribute content? Madeline used to say, Barney's had a slogan, they're all going to need clothes. So we authentically know who we are. We authentically create according to our mission statement. So they're all going to need content. As the content landscape becomes fractured and cluttered, that doesn't scare us. We just see that as opportunity. You know, in development, we have a really wonderful scripted show about a first-generation Haitian-American family that definitely uh, leans into a more edgy version of what the dating life of a 27-year-old gentleman who's trying to really uh, come of age looks like. So we've got that flexibility in my department specifically where we're not distributing things, but it still ties into our core values of 
who we are, um, how we want to see representation in the world, really telling authentic stories, always leaning into diversity and inclusion. How are we making the world better, a better place and bringing everyone to the table? So that content can manifest on all of those different platforms. At Soul Pancake, we have all the right people around the table. So we're going to create something excellent and in accordance with our mission statement. And that's where the magic is for us. So we only get excited. Like with Disney Plus, family friendly, we are brilliantly excited every time we're talking to them. It's just how do we make amazing things? How do we touch the most hearts and minds? And then ideally hold on to as much of our IP as possible. You mentioned diversity and inclusion in programming, right? Which Hollywood has traditionally lagged very far behind. Do you think that the traditional players are taking enough steps to increase representation of minorities and other voices in the content that we watch? No, I don't think they are until the content specifically represents the world as it truly is. And also, I think it's been brilliant to see a lot of executive changes at very different levels in the industry. To a certain extent, when you're looking at the top people in a company, it still represents very much one type of person. So I will be excited when behind the camera, those levels start to change. And once again, in an inclusive way, everyone deserves a seat at a table. So it's not replacing one thing for another. But I am excited for when we start to see specifically a 50-50 breakdown behind the camera. I'm excited uh, when I walk into a room, which is happening more and more, and it really is reflective of the world at large. And the ideas just get that much more exciting. But I do think there's still a little more work to do where that top, top tier of executives still represents one group of people. Do you think that's going to be a generational change? I think if we look at the numbers, the change isn't happening fast enough. Are there steps that can be taken to address that? I think we all have to work on it really hard together. I don't think it's one person's job. One of my favorite production partners just had a conversation with me the other day where I was talking to them and they said, Sarah, we love working with you guys so much. How can we work with you even more? And I said, show me your list. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, show me your list. I want to know exactly who you're going to pull, and I want to make sure it's reflective of the world. Like, that's how you're going to work with me more. So I feel like it's people saying that. And a lot of people have had some really bold statements, and I think that's where it starts. And then, um, you know, certain people sit in certain very powerful chairs for a long time, and that will take a little bit of time for things to change. We are seeing that movement happen slowly, but I think it's a team effort. I think everyone needs to be doing as much as they can every day because these institutions and systems were set up in a flawed way for a really long time. So it's all hands on deck. Definitely. And I know that you've been thinking more and more about international distribution opportunities for your content. And I expect that that plays a role, right? That we've seen, just as one example, China playing such an important role in feature film box office receipts. And thus, they're in many ways kind of shaping the type of content that gets created with the incentives that they offer. And we're seeing more Chinese inclusion representation in certain films. What do you think about the international opportunity and what steps are you taking to attract more international distribution opportunities? Yeah, for us right now, a really wonderful thing is proof of concept in the format space. So if we can prove something that has, you know, if we can make something a domestic hit as a format um, in the short form digital space, we can and have very recently started to license out those formats as linear long form uh, international formats. So I feel like there's a huge format opportunity for us, given that a digital proof of concept is now acting as uh, similar a domestic success was, you know, on the linear 
your side. So we're just using those tools in our, our toolbox to have those conversations. In terms of like including people, we are always trying to bring different voices to the table. Also for me, it's really important that authentic voices are telling their own stories. Even when Madeline and I were hired to show run the show at BET, they made it very clear, you're here to build the machine, you're not here to be the voice. So I think it's important also to make sure that the right voices are always shining through in all the content. Um, and then the casting should reflect the people making the story as well, but also just making sure that you're always being very inclusive. These are all human conversations and human stories, and we are all, we're all human. What's coming next? If you had to make three predictions about the future of the digital media space, what would they be? Hmm. Um, the digital media space in general, I feel like premium content is in all areas now. And I don't think we're going to see the distinction between digital media and linear, long form, or whatever terminology everyone's using. I think it's confusing now when people are releasing, you know, digital updates, and it's including Netflix. So I think the terminology is all going to morph and change. I think you need to make premium, amazing stories, and you need to know who the audience that's going to ingest them so you get it to that audience. I think interactive is going to become a bigger and bigger piece of what's happening. I'm interested to see what happens with Quibi. I think they're poised to do something really amazing. And I think everyone had their eyebrows raised, despite the fact of all the wonderful financial backing and the players involved. But the more I hear them talk about the data they brought to the table as they were strategizing that initiative, the more excited I get. In terms of trends that are moving forward, I mean, it is anyone's guess. I think it's exciting for us to create IP and know that we can exploit it on every different platform. I think just creating a story is not going to be enough in the future because your content will have the potential to get lost. It's about creating movements, communities, um, larger engagement. So great, a piece of content is a starting point, but what are you really trying to do as an overall mission? Great predictions, and I wanted to highlight a few of them. Uh, one, you mentioned interactive. Are you thinking more about opportunity in gaming? Are you looking more at new technologies like VR and AR that create interactive and immersive content experiences? What do you think about when you look at the interactive landscape? For us, what's most exciting about all of those, we're exploring all of them, and quite frankly, it all points back to empathy. That's not what people thought of initially, maybe when they were thinking of gaming and how storytelling was all put together. So for us, empathy is just such a core principle of how we create content. So the opportunity in ways to um, literally have other people walk in someone's shoes and increase empathy in storytelling, that's really exciting for us. Obviously, it wasn't interactive, but I just feel like the new Queer Eye was such a brilliantly done series. It was a notable show before. What differentiated for me that series from this new incarnation is I was like, oh my gosh, they are producing this with such empathy from the location choices to the team they built to the different stories they're pulling in. And that elevated it. And that makes it something that people really connect to versus just being a piece of content. And I think the emerging interactive platforms are just going to give us opportunities to enhance those experiences of empathy and storytelling. And you, you also mentioned Quibi, which I'm uh, curious to hear a bit more about. They're focused on the short-form content opportunity and trying to kind of make that more premium, a move away from UGC to some extent. Do you see 
a place for the, that sort of premium short form content? And if so, what is the business model or, or market opportunity around it? Well, I only know what I have heard from uh, them. Uh, they've identified that 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. block of time is key. They've zeroed in on that. It's what are you doing while you're waiting in line at the DMV? Or um, you've got five minutes before you go into your next meeting. So really keying into that and then elevating the storytelling, I think, is a brilliant move. They're specifically going after that millennial demo. They're pulling in huge names. I think it's going to be an exciting disruptor. And I mean, the data backs it up. So I'm optimistic. I think content is a brilliant fusion of going with your gut and data. And I think they've done their homework. And I mean, no one's got a better gut than Jeffrey Katzenberg. So I'm optimistic and bullish as to you know how successful they're going to be. What does the future hold for Soul Pancake? The goal is to, in my opinion, grow as big as possible. Quite frankly, the larger you are, the more hearts and minds you can affect. So further expanding the platforms um, as they emerge, you know, we're very strategically on a lot of different platforms, whether it's in the air, you know, in your Amazon Prime, uh, on traditional social channels. So who are we not yet talking to? Because we really feel like expanding the power and footprint of our voice will just expand the opportunity for us to bring people further together. So strategically getting our voice out to as many people as possible. One of the questions I ask everyone who comes on the show, since there are a lot of entrepreneurs and innovators who listen in, is if you were starting a business in the digital media space today, what would you do? I would partner up. Um, Alliances are so key. Good partners make for better content weather. I mean, we're still like at any stage of what we're doing, we're still ultimately packaging. There's a lot of traditional tenants that go into what we do. The idea that any of us are poets is false. So who are you partnering up with? Why is that exciting and making people cock their head to the left? Or the right. I don't know which way people crack their head. Um, But why is it surprising, unexpected? How are you making a larger noise? But partnerships that are interesting, either on the platform front, on the celebrity name front, on the production front, partnerships in my world are still very, very key and definitely move the needle because they give people bankable things to tangibly hold on to and very, very scary and, you know, times where things are changing. It's something that they can all rally around and say, okay, we understand this. Got it. Sarah, where can people find out more about you and more about Soul Pancake? Me, uh, via Soul Pancake. I am, I'm not a big person on social. Is It's very much in juxtaposition to what I do and the company I work for. You can follow Soul Pancake pretty much anywhere. Like I said, it probably depends on where you prefer to ingest content, media, social information. So anywhere from YouTube to Twitter to Instagram. And when we have a few exciting things that are in the works that we hope to be able to announce soon, those will just be in the trades. We do it every different way. Well, I encourage people to check out some of the amazing Soul Pancake content out there. Really incredible, uplifting content in a sea of negative content. Soul Pancake is a voice for good, and it's incredible to see those stories being told. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.